1: Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. Today we have in the studio a legitimate super group who made a great album I'm pretty excited about. They are Prophets of Rage and there are so many of them that I'm just going to ask them to go around and, and, and say hello individually and say who they are.
0: My name is Tom Morello, the guitarist for Prophets of Rage. <laughs> I am Be real member of Prophets of Rage. Member. <laughs> I am Chuck D,
2: microphone number two. <laughs> Brad Wilk Beats. DJ
3: Lord, turntablist. Timmy C, bass and enforcer. Mm. Ray Lewis, the <laughs> Ray Lewis of bass. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: Chuck, I might start with you. What was it like to first stand in front of this group and fuel this particular live band power? You've obviously fronted live bands before, been in all sorts of configurations, but I mean, this is the core of the rage rhythm section and more it, it's a particular power what, what did it feel like and how does it affect the way you perform with them <clears throat> well
2: number one I'm, I'm the weakest link out of this bunch <laughs> that's this, a liar, come on, liar, liar no no Not I, true. I am I am but that that's good that's good because if I'm a weak link everybody's in trouble <laughs> trying to follow <laughs> up on the stage number two me and Thomas have, have we've had arm wrestling you know over the fact that we're a supergroup or we're not a supergroup. We are a supergroup. And um, and I've heard... Chuck embraces the term. Yeah, I embrace it. And and I've heard people or groups or situations call themselves supergroups before, but... I'm like, they're not even transcendent. They don't transcend their genre. Hmm. And I think each one of the members here do.
1: What does it feel like and how does it affect the way you perform when you're back by this powerhouse here?
2: Well, number one, you, you gotta bring it. Yeah, I mean, you could you can get swallowed, and B knows right here, you could get swallowed up in it, number one, if you don't prepare, if you don't train. And then, you know, Tom is the Michael Jordan, Phil Jackson of rehearsals. <laughs> 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 so, by the time we get to the show, be it tell you the rest
4: yeah I mean you know the the one thing is that we're all fan of each other you know of each other's music and whatnot and, and we appreciate everything we've all done individually so coming together you know the enthusiasm I think just translated into the vibe you know where Chuck and I figured out how to piece Zach's stuff together where it worked out for us and what we're trying to do here to make it sound the best as possible best Possible um, representation of the song right now between us, you know, and in in that we found ways that we can work together on new songs and flip it back and forth, a la like the Run DMC style. Yeah, you know what I mean, and um, you know because Chuck and and I come from groups that have that component of a high low um combination of, of vo- vocal tones, him with flav, you know, the high and the low and myself with Sendog, the high and low. It's it was a natural, th- you know, chemistry between his voice and my voice being the high and the low. And, you know, either one of us can take lead on any one of these songs, you know, be it um the rage songs or the new songs, you know, and um it's it's amazing to have that type of um you know set, right there you know between the rhythm section and us as the MCs you know representing the classic songs and and bringing on these new songs there has to be an energy about it there has to be you know that that driving force that was in those those classic songs so fortunately you know chuck and i figured out how to make that work with with what we're doing today and it blows me away to hear some of the stuff sometimes you know when we're in rehearsal and, and and hearing how we're we're presenting the old songs and then the energy of the new songs and how they stand next to each other i mean it, it's
1: it's quite an amazing feeling i guess this is for both me and chuck learning those Zach vocals learning those uh, Zach raps what did you learn about him and how his style fit in with this band and, and how it compares to the way you do it on your own and how did, how did all that work kind of assimilating that
2: don't try to repeat him uh-huh. you can't repeat the dude that's in his 20s that sound like a, a knife is turning in him <laughs> and, 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 and passionate and very convicted with every single syllable
4: you know I can say this um, I was a very big fan of public enemy you know run dmc and public enemy were my two favorite groups of all time so i studied pockets of of you know rhymes and where they fall into the beats and stuff like that right and uh, so i've been a big chuck d fan um style is unorthodox in comparison to many other rappers out there and very forceful now when i heard rage against the machine i heard uh, Chuck's influence on Zach and his vocal, yeah. you know where he takes it stylistically, and even some of the the context and some of the, some of the things he was saying, and how he was saying it in the cadence. It was very Chuck D style, and wrapped um, with his own spin on it. Of course, you know because he was very aggressive in the vocals, and and uh, it was a a mixture of Chuck D style mixed with a little bit of punk element to it right so for me being a fan of chuck d and being a fan of zach together it it sort of it gave me like the template on where i had to be yeah and and it made it easy for me because you know i'm i can get in sort of the same tones that zach was at but the punk style is a little different for me so i had to sort of figure out how i was going to work that into it but i i knew that you know chuck and i could take this this task on because you know it's basically chuck fitting into a style that was derived from uh, influence of of chuck you know what i mean it's <laughs> a great point of course and, yeah and um, you know it just all came together you know really well and and what that ha- helped i think was to come into the new stuff you know to to, to know those different pockets, know those different deliveries that normally as a hip hop rapper, I don't necessarily deliver the same way. But studying the Rage Against the Machine songs and perform performing them with these gentlemen, it gave me a new skill set into going into what Prophets of Rage would later record as a band, you know. So I learned a lot, pretty much, mm. from from doing all this, you know, with these guys and that, that was my end of it, pretty much.
1: One of the cool things about this group is uh, the DJ Lord's presence because, you know, obviously Tom, one of Tom's claims to fame is being a guitarist who was influenced by hip-hop DJs, including Terminator X and uh, a, a lot of the cool things that DJs do, and now you have an actual DJ in your band. Yes. So uh, how how does that work though because the DJ shit that you might want to do can be done by the DJ so how, <laughs> how well, do you figure well, it
0: out well I've been doing a lot of DJ shit for years so yeah. I'm ready, I'm ready to, to relinquish some of that but uh, we one of the, 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 the highlights of the show and on the record is we do a DJ battle between myself yeah. and Lord and that allows for something that you know there's, uh, there's no other band in the history of bands has been has been able to do that and so it's a really it's really fun every night and it's a real highlight on the record on on a song called hail to the chief where we did it on record and you can you know one of us is in one headphone the other's in the other and you decide which is the guitar and which is the in which is the uh turntables um and let's hear
1: a little bit of that part of hail to the chief right now nice
2: It's amazing. We've been chasing this guy for eons. I've been chasing this guy in the turntables for eons. And um, even in an interview for Sure Needles back in my battle days, they would say, if you were to battle a DJ, who would you battle? What's your ultimate battle? (laughs) I said, Tom Morello. It's printed. So um,
4: (laughs) to actually be involved in that, it's, it's pretty epic for me. Hey, there's power in saying things out loud, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. And, and
0: for us, one of the challenges for Tim and Brad and I, who had never played with a DJ before and had a very kind of well oiled way of making impactful music. And you know some of our, you know, before this band ever played a show, we spent months secretly rehearsing deep in the San Fernando Valley, wow. trying to get it right. Because there was, you know, on paper, it looks great. But we're like, okay, there's a D de- at first, you know, the first couple attempts, like, cause public enemy does it a very different way when they mix a live band with mm-hmm. the, with the thing. And, that way didn't work with us. And we tried a bunch of different ways work until we finally sort of honed. And, you know, DJ Lord is in a, a crucial part of both the record and the show where, you know, our whole show starts with a DJ Lord set where he's, he is a, here's the thing about the, some rock fans may not know, but the hip hop mm-hmm. component of the band, DJ Lord, Chuck D and Be Real are huge fans of rock and roll and have a depth and breadth of knowledge of rock music. The original PE stage show was modeled on the Iron Maiden stage show. Be Real has a, a, a he likes metal that's so much harder than the metal I like. I don't like the metal that he likes, right? You know. And, and and DJ Lord is the only one in the band that actually knows all of the words to all three of the band's songs. So so, so. Rolodex. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, first I mean one thing that sort of bears mention we're talking about sort of specifics, but like to pull the camera back because you guys know who we are. Sometimes I find like even on a daily basis with fans of Rage probably, that they don't know what the hell this thing is. Prophets of Rage is a band with three of the dudes from Rage Against the Machine, myself, Tim, and Brad, two of the dudes from Public Enemy, Chuck D and DJ Lord, and Be Real from Cypress Hill record out on September 15th. That's sort of the factual stuff. Now let's get back to your thoughtful question. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are the
1: pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was your most Gene Simmons moment. Yeah, okay? Okay, that was Gene <laughs> Simmons. Look, I've been like, doing a lot
0: of, it's, it's nice to do interviews, but you want to know the record's out on September 15th, too. So, set and mask I mean, skinny down, You skinny tea. I'll go down to 7B, you buy me a drink, I'll talk, I'll talk about this all night long. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> skinny tea, ladies as a
0: gentleman. <laughs> yeah. Those guitar picks aren't going to buy themselves. <laughs>
1: <laughs> More big picture thinking that, Tom, you had, I believe, the original sort of germ of thought of, of doing this thing. Trace trace us through kind sure. of the,
0: the thinking of how this sure. came together. Sure. I mean, it was very simple. It was during the uh, 2016 election and I saw on TV it said uh Donald Trump rages against the machine and I was so outraged I tweeted about it (laughs) and then I thought that's a fool thing to do and this is this is going to require more than hashtags to combat the you know impending storm and you know called up some friends and it was basically you know put your hand in the air if you want to fight the power and bring the noise and change the world right now and these five these six hands went up so
1: it's kind of a stroke of genius to have B and Chuck, in fact the only people I can really imagine doing this It's called it's good theory. casting. Yeah. Good <laughs> casting. <laughs> so how did how did what was well, that process? The, I mean yeah. they
0: were the you know once yeah. Tim and Brad and I were they they were the hip hop inspirations for Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, You know like when we were making that first Rage record there were two primary cassettes that were around one was Soundgarden's Bad Motor Finger the other was the first Cypress Hill record you listen to those two records at the same time and it sounds like the Rage <laughs> Against the Machine record right um, and you know and and Public Enemy of course is the the pillar of of political power wisdom and revolutionary knowledge and soundscape uh in all of our lives so those were the obvious choices and uh chuck was a bit of a reluctant bride initially and took a little arm twisting uh to come around but uh and then when when b joined the fold we became prophets of rage properly
3: and he just called Chuck a bride
1: <laughs> that one couldn't kind of bode well I'll tell you that right now Chuck why oh, were you a reluctant uh, groom
2: <laughs> I was I was smack dab initially well Tom had kind of like hinted at it even for like close to a year, but then November he hinted a little heavily uppercase, and uh, I was <laughs> juggling a tour with the Prodigy, Public Enemy was like mm-hmm. on the 105th tour, and, and I was like, well, you know, my hands are full, and then um, Tom, you know, had a conversation, an academic conversation, he from Harvard, <laughs> my wife a professor, and then uh, she said, you know, like, you be, be who you are, you are who you are, go do this (laughs) so that you know my father passed february 8th and and i was like well nothing's gonna stop me from doing anything now so that's what happened after that and um it's academic from there
1: Mm. tell me about the very first kind of meeting and rehearsal that you guys had
2: What's, the, what's that button on the game show that goes, eh? <laughs> <laughs> that,
0: was, that was the theme music for that first rehearsal. I remember the first rehearsal being kind of a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, yeah. Disaster is maybe a maybe disaster, lowercase d. Brad, t- t- Brad tell us about the first rehearsal. I do just a bit of a head scratcher. Yeah. <laughs> the Us
5: Three hadn't played in a long time. Yes, yes. Um, again, we weren't sure how to incorporate everything that we were doing. Yeah. We were playing to records, and we were not playing to records, yeah. and it was like, what? What's? Was confusing. how are we gonna do this? Was that was kind of the beauty of it. We all knew, I mean, I knew I was in a room with the yeah. greatest of people of all time um, on their perspective instruments, and like, shit, I hope the chemistry eventually
0: finds itself, and it did. Yeah, yeah. The ingredients were there, but we it was it took a while to. And you know who uh, the f- we uh, had booked a show at the the first time we ever played was at the Whiskey on May thirty first two thousand sixteen, and that show was coming up, and so we had been you know in the lab, very sort of scientifically trying to put this together, and it really w- it took a while, like it w- really was sort of coming together, and then the first time I felt this is going to be fucking great was three days before the show Shepard Ferry, who did you know has done artwork for us um came down and it was the first time we had an audience of one <laughs> and it changed the whole thing because we were no longer trying to remember the songs playing for each other talking about parts even with one person in the room it became a performance yeah. and the decades of knowing how to rock people and move, you know, like and, and it was no, it, was not, it projected out for the first time rather than inward for the first time, and you know, Shepard just sitting there going, "Oh shit," like <laughs> I'm thinking, "Oh shit, yeah, oh, shit. it's gonna be all right." That's thinking, a good old shit. It's well, be all I got right.
2: it, I got it. For me, you know, when Tom called me, and says, uh, "Chuck, um, what do you think about?" And he and he hesitated, which is Tom like. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about? Uh, you know, what were you how would you feel that be real was invited to? And I was like, yes. Yeah. And that's when it like it crystallized in my mind because then I said, well, I know what my role could be, and I know what this man is going to bring to the table, and I really see that happening. And and wants to be real, and I, my fingers were crossed, and I was like telling Tom, I just hope he does. I mean, whatever. and my mind for some reason, B, I was like, well, B's gonna, I'm busy. I'm you know, he's going to give me the same lame ass excuse I gave for the past year. <laughs> and We got to wait for another year. But when B real said he was in, I was like, you know. Then it was, oh shit, this
0: shit on paper is yeah. a motherfucker. Then it was to climb that mountain. Yeah, and then and then all of a sudden it looked like the six headed, you know, Mount Rushmore of molten rap rock. You know, yeah. and everybody and the things like everybody. Chuck's right. Everybody does have a role. Like, be real. Doctor Green Thumb is the shaman who has continued to evolve. You know, from his role of like uh, from his Cypress Hill excellence as street poetry and legalization, you know, fighting for legalization, uh, to like the master of ceremonies of a of a potent political band. You know, Chuck D brings all the gravitas of the hard rhymer. He is the rhyme animal and he is second to none. He's all foreheads on the Mount Rushmore of that. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, uh, Brad Wilk is the field is, is the is the field bouncing field general. Like if you want a beat that's going to make 100,000 people jump up and down, there's one you, yep. and you want to rank them. drums. He's the first the, four. The okay, god of the, hard that's, drums. That's, that's war drums right there. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And, you know, DJ Lord is the is the. Uh, as a with uh, as a as with turntables as an instrument, he is without peer and the like he's the I'd say the one of the very few musicians I've ever been in a room with where I just go, I have no fucking clue what that guy is doing." <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to know. Like I don't. Like normally I'm like, oh, so what do you? You know, is, is that a, uh, a C minor triad? You're like I don't know. I have no idea even where it starts or begins. Um, and then Timmy C is the enforcer, and his the power of his bass and the power of his stance and the power of his steely glare is reflected in every note that he plays, and he's deadly serious, and he wants to win. Yep. He doesn't want to win every show. He wants to win every note that he plays. Yep. And that is reflected. We call he's
4: him a- Iron Cavs. <laughs> yep. <And this> is- <laughs> bounces like you know flawless and effortless and, and, the spi- and, the, and the spiritual
2: Better soul I could say it yeah
4: he's a spiritual soul man
2: that instrument plays him I mean it's, seriously
1: so I'm Brian Hyatt and this is Rolling Stone Music Now we're talking to the supergroup Prophets of Rage who have their first album out on September 15th and we'll be right back with a lot more So we were talking a little bit about the formation of the group and uh now we're going to go to the the album itself because at first you were essentially a uh, a very excellent cover band. <laughs> of course, I'm joking, but you I were know. you were I a. Uh, but, you, but we've read a lot. It's yeah. like a
2: karaoke. How the yeah. fuck, man? It's like come on, these are our songs.
0: I mean, the good and the good. Yeah, you have a question coming, up. But, but the good news is is like I would anticipate. Like if I heard that three bands that I was interested in got together, I would be like, oh, real. Let's see what that is. And that there's nothing nothing heightens your at least for us for. for for competitive musicians like ourselves kind of heightens your self-awareness and your desire to kill it like that sort of chip on your shoulder. Yep. And we're like, great, great. I, after, you know what we do after the show? We drink haters' tears. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> on ice. On ice. But <laughs> well, you know, we, I'll tell you what, we knew we were going to get met with skepticism all over the place, you know what I mean? But... It, uh, the I whole haters. intent was to play these songs that no one in, had heard in a long time that needed to be heard now in this time with everything going on, along with the Public Enemy and Cypress Hill catalog, you know. And and knowing that we were going to get this skepticism, you know, the one thing that we wanted everyone to know and feel was that we are a band, and it's going to go beyond what we're what we were playing initially, which which pretty much compelled us to make an album and bring forth our own sound, our own message, inspired by Rage Against the Machine, Public Enemy, and Cypress Hill. You know, it just so happens that we, we came together for a great reason, I think, a great cause, and we found ourselves, who we are as prophets of rage, In that time when we were just getting together and playing these these uh, these songs that we've known forever, you know, now we're venturing into a new place with new music, and we're as confident with that music as we are with our with our back catalog and stuff like that. So, you know, exactly, you know. Haters' tears on ice. You have no idea, and, 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 and
0: what an amazing like launching pad it is for us. Because before our first record came out as a band, Prophets of Rage have played three continents in, in front of over 200, uh, 200, two hundred two point five million people. You know, so like that we've got that amount of shows under our belt before we even start the tour for our first record.
1: Well, what was the kind of key first track? When your original Started to come together What, what was the f- From the stuff on the as album As far as the new stuff Yeah new yeah. stuff um, yeah. I believe
0: it was Smash It Smash yeah. It was the first song That kind of like Mulled around Before We start, sat down to write songs That was kind of In the rehearsals But we, the, we It was a very kind of loose The first day of rehearsal We had a, a plan We're gonna write two songs today Then the next day We're gonna write two songs The next day We're gonna write two songs Without sort of examining The process Just whatever comes up Timmy bring in some ideas I'll bring in some ideas. Like just kicking around Then at the end of A couple of weeks we had the bones for about ten or twelve songs that were that wow. everybody was excited to come in and, and rock. Then we listened back to those and you know, Chuck could say, I'm really feeling the verse of this one. B could say, This I've got a hook that goes with that. When we started crafting the songs, but the initial to see whether or not we could do it took one day. In my mind it took one day. That first mm. day we wrote two songs. I was excited to come back the next day and, and try two more. There was a time where and it was times I should say
2: when Tim, Brad, and Tom, the three of them would be in the rehearsal room in the stage, and they would have this little kind of hidden triangle, right? And they mm. would just play to each other, and the shit was banging, and then they were like, ah, and I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about?
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: How is that I was un-dope? Like, that dope That one sounded it.
2: pretty good. Yeah. Right, and then they go and do it again, and I didn't notice the difference. I'm like, mm. I got things to learn here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was curious about for, for the for the rage core here, for the you three guys you've done so many different things. You you played as audio slave. You've played in many different configurations. Now you're doing something that while not purely rage is more back in a rage mode. How did all the other stuff you've done
3: affect the way you
1: came back to this mode?
3: That's that's what it's all about for me. Yeah. You know, it's all about getting better as a musician, being able to like figure out the puzzle, you know, the song's sort of like a puzzle and you just unlock it, you know, and, and like we start, like Tom was saying, it just, it could be anything that would be an inspiration that any one of us could bring. And then the song just becomes what it is. And there, and, and that's a beautiful, that's a, a beautiful thing about uh, what we're doing. I sort of lost my train. So of So like thought with
0: though. your previous, like whack rat and stuff, like how does the other things you've done feed
3: in? Or audio audio, audio, audio slave. Audio slave slave is a band, sorry, that I um I I (laughs) definitely hear in this in this band. I hear those chord progressions that you could sing over that we never did with Rage. Ever. And and to be able to do and play that kind of music in a in a a huge, gnarly kind of way is a challenge in itself, you know, just and I feel like we did that, you know, and I'm proud of it. And when I hear the songs, sometimes, believe it or not, I do think of Chris Cornell and what I learned from that guy and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, Tim, I actually remember I did a audio slave story back when you guys first first formed. I remember you saying that one of the things you learned in that scenario was just like sometimes you'd be playing a bass note and it's like, no, that doesn't work with the vocal melody. Yeah. So, whereas so be- you, whereas you, before you, it
0: was like it the James didn't matter. Brown, the yeah. James yeah. Brown theory, just yeah. like everything hits on the yeah. one and like in the whole in the in the four. Record catalog of Rage Against the Machine. I don't think there's a chord. I don't think there's two. two no, we, remember to we would song. struggle <laughs> with that. People would
3: say that, and we'd be like, okay. And we yeah. did parts. We had <laughs> parts where it. we moved the yeah. bridge. Yeah, did, yeah. And just played like one note yeah. a few times, and then went back. You know, those parts never really worked. Though. It's it's sticking cool on the when you Feel like you get to move around musically, and you don't really know it. You know, you think like I hear people go, oh, it sounds like Rage. But it really doesn't. Like on a musical level, it's way different.
1: It's much more chordal and stuff with the next evolution. At the same time, the riffs are there. Yeah. you're still. Uh, thank goodness, the, the, yeah, thank thank riff goodness. master. Yeah, the,
0: thank goodness the riffs are there. I mean, the, the it's that's yeah you know, the way from the very first rehearsal. Tim and Brad and I played together. There's a certain it's like a an elasticity to what we there's a heaviness and an elasticity to what we play, which I think mean, separate in whether it's Rage or Audio Slave or Prophets of Rage separates us from the way that other bands play rock that has funky elements to it.
1: Brad, did the experience of playing with Sabbath give you anything that you brought to this? Um, well,
5: it was interesting doing that because w- there's so there's actually a lot of Sabbath influence in For sure. can, Rage Against the Machine. So to go back and be uh, work with those guys who... You know, I was sitting at 14 with a record player, trying to learn, trying to be Bill Ward, and trying to learn these riffs was awesome. And just to see how they work was actually a, a really great experience as well. Like I don't, a lot of people don't know I do this. I actually played with the with Smashing Pumpkins for a right. while, and it, and for me as a drummer, it was like one of my. Um, best moments because I feel like I became a better drummer learning like I played to Gish that was like the last record I sat in my room and and played to you probably before I stopped like sitting in my room playing to records all the time so to go back and like look at Jimmy Chamberlain and and go oh shit now I gotta really like play this shit (laughs) the guy is phenomenal and so to really get in that guy's head and understand what he's doing but still bring my own thing to it was a was a um a heavy task that i didn't even know that i was going to be able to do anyway so it was it was interesting to do that i feel like i became a better drummer both making the black sabbath record and uh doing the smashing pumpkins thing lo and behold bringing that to Prophets of Rage, you're always learning. So I feel like it definitely um, helped uh, with Prophets of Rage.
1: And the three of you now have a history that's unlike really any other band. You've now, this is your third configuration yeah. together. Uh, obviously, there's something that that really works about these three people and it, it's movable, interestingly, yeah. to other yeah. scenarios.
2: Yeah, I, I say that all the time. The, the three of these guys come together. They look at each other in the eye and there's something that comes out of that that... That you just can't explain is just was like ordained by the whatever the that energy is and it comes out.
1: One of the tracks that was a nice surprise is uh, "Legalize Me." Hmm. Um, Perhaps the message was not a surprise, given that "Be Real" is in this band, but (laughs) but musically, it's and we'll hear a little bit right that right now. song come together because it, it does have a nice well, different feeling to it. It was Brendan O'Brien produced this record who we've you know had a
0: lot of excellent history working with in the past uh, and Brendan who's been sober for 30 some years one day in the midst of we had I think had 10 songs you know worked up to record for the record and one day Brendan says you guys need a song about weed. And I just thought he was joking. <laughs> I, and I'm like, he's like, I'm dead serious. You got to be real in the pen. People expect this sort of thing. I'm like, uh, really? <laughs> he's like, yeah, write a song about weed. And we're like, uh, uh, like Brenda never like, that's not a thing that he normally does, and so over the course of the next couple days we worked up a song in the studio uh, Be Real wrote some particularly potent uh, Be Real lyrics to it and then we put our twist on it which was it's a you know I mean, B we can tell you what the the twist that came in the lyrics on that uh, so it's not just about weed
4: yeah I mean you know um, it's it it was it's uh it's a transfer of energy if you will you know it goes from this good time feel good thing and then it it gets into this dark um place musically which is it grabs you right when you get it and um Chuck D delivers this this part of the song that's um, it's the driving part you know, and uh, lyrics written by Mr. Tom Morello here. Not the weed ones. Not the weed Weed ones. ones. I wrote the weed ones. And you know, it was something that I hadn't planned to do for the group. You know, originally I I had planned to (laughs) stay hardline on the things that we had uh, written previous to this song. And then, you know, um, the... the, (laughs) The scenario of a weed song was, brought it was to demanded me. of you. <laughs> yes, it was demanded you of have me. Have to be who you are. So man. I obliged, but you know, we put a twist on it. You know, in the beginning, it was basically, you know, hey, listen, legalization's here, and we're still fighting for it. Um, the the fight continues, and let's celebrate it. But the fight continues, and in 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 the path of the song, the seriousness comes about it though. You know, the things that are going on in the world. That um, that we're pretty much addressing through the whole album, you know Chuck delivers on this this piece and it it gives you like all these scenarios that are going on in the world in it and it's, just the fuckery of of government
2: uh, yeah. legislation and government doing this the cluster yeah. bombs you know all
0: all that type of talk inside that verse and it, not it, just what 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 is illegal but also who is illegal yeah. mm, and yeah. from the you know the immigrant issue here to the refugee crisis overseas it's you know legalize me it's not necessarily the weed speaking to you legalize me it's also all of those who you know uh, people yeah, who are the, often considered illegitimate humans just because they don't have some sort of status The dreamers yeah you know for sure. and
4: uh, yeah it it, it, beca- it took on a different a different meaning you know um after we actually recorded the song and i'd and I, I like to think that it it captures a light side and a, and a dark side of of what we're dealing with you know and uh, it's a very unique song in in comparison to the rest of the album because it does have a lighter side to it but then it goes dark yeah but then okay. it goes dark
1: uh, another i think great showcase for what this band is capable of is is living on the 110 uh chuck maybe you could talk about how that one came together and let's hear a little bit of it first and then chuck will talk about it
2: Wonderfully penned by my man, Be Real, um, and basically it spoke to, um, and, and he can speak on it even better than me, but I, I'm such a fan of the song, it's my favorite song on the album, if I had to pick a favorite. Um, Los Angeles and Skid Row, and, and there's a city underneath a city, and which is the largest can, um, concentrated homeless population in North America and it's Skid Row and all the uh, adjacent areas and the 110 is that highway because of Southern California, you could kind of live outside without the elements you know, killing you like in other parts of this country. And um, the 110 provides us a roof and on top of us, people have their Bugatti's, is that what they call it, it's Bugatti? Bugatti's, Lambos, <laughs> yeah. uh, Porsches yeah. you know, all. And while they're in traffic on the top of the 110, underneath you got a city of homeless people who are, are so the, it's a stark contrast. Matter of fact, you can look at the 110 and see the top layer and the bottom layer all in the same eyesight. And uh, my man Be Real covered it fantastically in a couple of verses that say it all.
1: And how about Who Owns Who, another great track? Mm-hmm.
2: Give it to Timmy C for actually being the master of lyric arrangement and truncation. Go because <laughs> matter of fact he would drill it into us like i think that go ahead tell him to me i
3: think this could be a little I, I, concise i, I huh. like hearing you tell it but that, you know it's like but i you're getting off at it yeah. right <laughs> so chuck tell me more how
0: great <laughs> i am <laughs> the, art, the
3: great thing it I feels did. uncomfortable for me to say anything <laughs> but i just like i said i've said it before and it's we don't have there's not insecurities in the room that are impeding us right now and i hope i hope there never is because that's where you get the most done and i was hearing things with all everyone's things and 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 i was speaking up about it and the same was reciprocated and that is if you're going to get into a a band which i think i don't think it matters if you make millions of dollars and play for a hundred thousand people a night or whether or not you're just in the living room with your bros, serious about it, making music, like it's a it's a blessing. It doesn't come around that often. It really doesn't. Yeah, and you, you
4: know, know we, we put we checked our egos at the door pretty much, you know. Um And a lot, a lot of people say that too, right, B? Yeah, a lot I, of people say, Oh, we have to check our egos at the door. But we but, actually did it. You know, yeah. we allowed I think all of us allowed ourselves to, to, to be open to each other's ideas and suggestions to where if Chuck and I didn't necessarily have an idea, you know, Timmy or Tom or even Brad could come and say, What about this? And we would actually try it and consider it and see where it went. And a lot of great things came about that way, you know, for instance the legalize me song, you know and the who owns who and the, and the who that owns was Timmy, who, Timmy's, Timmy's right, idea, hook, hook you know, right and yeah. Yeah. With some of the other songs that Chuck and I wrote, you know, we had suggestions from Tim or Tom on changing certain lines or or a certain delivery on it. And I think being open like that, it allowed us to be an actual team.
1: Yeah, it's a real band. Yeah. yeah, Yeah.
4: And and we all have our roles, but we all had each other's backs in in the sense that we want to make the song better, you know, and if there's any way we can do that, let's be open to it and and unfortunately not like a lot of bands you know um we we were able to do that you know and with because with hip-hop it's slightly different you can't really as a producer you don't most of the time they don't tell each other okay change this line or change that line you sort of just let the rapper go and whatever he does is what he does as long as it's on beat and on point and delivered properly cool but you know, it's nece- not necessarily ever are we given the direction from a producer in our field. So, you know, to be able to get the direction from Brendan O'Brien, get the direction from Timmy C, Tom, Brad, or Lord, or Chuck, and man, get that, the direction from Be real who basically says, "We do. We ain't got to
2: spit like you know, attack <laughs> of the of the fifty-foot woman versus, <laughs> You
4: know, <laughs> it, it, it just it just made it easy and organic, and and the 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 process just it, it was uh, man it, it was like nothing I've ever experienced. And, and I think that's why we were able to come up with with the material that we did in such short time. and you know we were confident about what we put out because we just felt like this, this was uh, a great representation of, of what we can do together. And it's just the beginning.
1: In the few minutes uh, we have left, I wanted to briefly address the political situation. It's interesting to sit in a room with people who in many ways were uh, ahead of this time politically. Uh, Chuck was talking about things decades ago that... that some people are just catching up with um, many young people are now moving in a political direction that Tom and you guys have <laughs> been been uh, suggesting for, suggesting some, time, for yeah. some time. So, I, you know, it must be nice in some level that, that people seem to be yeah. catching up. On the other hand, we're Donald Trump is the president yeah. of the United States. So how do you see this? I, I know it's painful to even say it, but, no, no, uh, no, it but, only,
0: but how do you guys see this moment? There's only, there's, uh, you have to look at it like this. The, the moment is what it is. So it's what you make of the moment. And my hope is that, That the Trump Pence regime brings into existence the movement that not only dethrones it, but the movement that really makes for a more just and decent country. And that's, you know, the, the, the current two party system, there's not a lot of room for that. And it's, you know, there's a lot of corporate control and big money control of all politicians. You know, take it for somebody who worked for a U.S. senator for two years. You know, that's that's the way of it. But but that's a different kind of. Uh, uh, way of changing the world than the huge anti-fascist march in Boston. You know, people the huge women's march, people standing up against this kind of rise of neo-fascism. And our music, uh, this record, is our audition to be the soundtrack for the resistance.
1: Chuck, very quickly, how how do you balance the idea that at least in my opinion trump is a unique danger with the fact that there's these broader problems that you see in the, in in the political system and in the you know sort of the consciousness of this country
2: we didn't wish for the world to be this fucked up in order for us to be a ban. we were going to find 12 topics that we were going to hone into it's just that this is like lowest hanging fruit under the belt line <laughs> that that allows us to talk about and rock the obvious so here we are
1: So this has been Rolling Stone Music Now We've been here with Prophets of Rage Thanks so much guys We'll be back next week And their album comes out September 15th uh, I'd be remiss in mentioning Tom Thanks Gene <laughs> <And> <laughs> <laughs> So we'll be back next week at 1pm On Sirius XM's Volume Channel 106 In the meantime download us as a podcast Wherever you get your podcasts And subscribe to us as a podcast And please leave a nice review on iTunes if you can And we'll see you next week